This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, who want to help you keep your soul, your mind, your heart renewed and refreshed. They've got thousands of pastors who are members from all over the globe, and they've given a special deal for the listeners of the Crafting Character Podcast. All you need to do is go to orderptnow.com slash CC30, and you will receive a 30% discount for the first year on your membership to get refreshed and renewed through the writings and work of preaching today. Our other great sponsor is the Ascent Leader, who I love. More information about cohorts at the end of this podcast and our good friends at Food for the Hungry, who I just absolutely love. I've been doing a lot of ministry with them lately, and I love what they are doing around the world to see holistic transformation. And you could join them. If you don't have a global missions program or you're looking and you want to actually serve or get your people involved, check out Food for the Hungry. Really, really good people doing incredible work. Well, today, you know what this podcast is about. It is about helping us get better at the craft of communication and helping us always have our character lead the way. And so I reached out to a dear friend. I mean, this guy, I'll tell you what, he, uh, every time he would come to Chicagoland for some apparent reason, he'd come by my house late at night and I think he would teepee my house. I'd wake up and I was like, Bob Goff must be around because my house got teepeed. He's... 60 some years old, but man, he's Red Bull in the flesh. Uh, He is an incredible communicator. Uh, He's been a dear, dear friend and just someone who has shown up in my life when I needed a mentor, I needed a friend. He is the real deal. He's got a new book that comes out really, really soon. It's called Undistracted. You're going to love it. We're going to talk about that, but you got to stay because he ends up sharing kind of how he puts talks together. And you know him, he's, he's all over the world talking to, you know, consulates and businesses and, and churches and conferences. But the way that he talks about how he takes an idea and builds a talk, it, it, it's, it's going to be something that you can apply this coming weekend to make your talk stronger. I love this man, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only. Bob Goff. Welcome, Bob Goff, to the Crafting Character Podcast. It's so good to see you, my friend. Yeah, likewise. Honored to be on with you, and it'll be fun to catch up. Yeah. So you, um, I mean, you're a, an amazing writer. I mean, I loved Love Does. I loved everybody always and Dream Big. And I, I think that when I saw this title, Undistracted, coming from you, who seems to be so whimsy, <laughs> So, um, like up for anything, uh, I, I just got me so intrigued and so curious. So first question is why the book undistracted and why right now? Yeah. You know, this is the, uh, thing that pastors try to figure out people that write books. They're trying to say you're writing a book a year and a half before you're releasing a book. And you're saying, so to people that read it, they say, well, this, it's like you wrote it yesterday and it came out now. So before everybody always, I was thinking, what is everybody going to need? And there was some pretty crazy stuff going down. Uh, and so I thought this would be a great time to just kind of remind people like to love people who creep you out. Love Does was the same way. A friend had written a book that got everybody all excited <laughs> they were, and not in a good way. Uh, and uh, I just said like, you know what? I want to remind people like about why we're doing what we do. How do you express your faith in love? Like Galatians 5, 6 says. Uh, and even though I'm a real Bible verse guy, like I, I 
really personally enjoy that. And I want to do what Paul said to check things against scripture. Um, I want to go to uh, people that uh, work at the tire store that are church adjacent. So I'm not writing these things for John Piper. <laughs> He's already hooked up. I want to find the guy that's uh, church adjacent. He's not mad at the church. There's nothing. How could you not get along with the steeple? Uh, it's the people in the church he's not getting along with. And so he's church adjacent. And to say, so if you have clarity in your communication, whether that's in writing or in speaking, uh, you've heard the phrase, read the room, to just know with clarity who's in the chair reading the book, who's in the pew listening to you talk, and then speak to them. It doesn't mean the truth varies, but presentation does. Um, so I'm not uh, going to uh, write the Bible verses because I'm a trial lawyer. I win arguments for a living and I'm not trying to talk people into or out of Jesus. I think Jesus leads people to Jesus. What we do is just say things that are true. And to get there from my worldview, uh, you need to check it against scripture. So my version of undistracted love does everybody always totally annotated in case Jesus comes back to check my work. <laughs> so that's a great circuit breaker to say, is this just sound right or is it actually true? Um, so I'd say for communicators, that's a great circuit breaker to use. That's so good. You know, what's interesting is uh, Dallas Willard, uh, he, you know, obviously divine conspiracy, one of my favorite thought leaders. He came and spoke at my alma mater um, a few years before he passed. And my buddy, I, I, you know him too, uh, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. J.J. <laughs> interviewed him after and said, hey, What's different about the freshman that entered your class at USC 30 years ago and the freshman that entered in this year um, because Dallas was teaching philosophy? And he said, that's easy. They're all distracted. And, and I think that, that, that word, I feel like for so many of us, it's just so easy to get distracted and miss the life God has for us right before us. Um, why, why do you think it, it's so easy for people to get distracted in our current climate? Well, I think it's in the hard wiring of us as people to get distracted, sometimes in good ways, um, yeah. that you get distracted, you know something's up. Uh, and it, this isn't Luke Skywalker and a disturbance in the force. You just realize that like, that there's something uh, that you should fear that is distracting you from what you're doing right now. And so there's a good side of distraction. If you put a bunch of horses in a field, their hearts will be beating uh, separately. But after a short period of time, did you know their hearts all sync up and start beating together? Because they're okay. animals of prey, as are we. And these ideas of darkness and evil, I don't see the devil around every corner, but I'll tell you, this is the strategy and it's no secret. It isn't to destroy you. Destroy you is one and done. But distract you, wound you, like, oh, we take five people off. Like you just say, everybody's looking at whatever. I promise you, Steve, the next time you go speak, look off stage down into the left uh, and just keep staring over there. Pretty soon, 4,000 people are going to be looking down into their right. <laughs> they want to see what you're looking at. Like what's yeah. got him distracted? And so if you insert big social issue of the day, I want my eyes fixed on Jesus. Like I really, because I'm a Jesus guy and other people, uh, they have other things that their eyes are fixed on. Sometimes what distracts us is we think the biggest issue for me right now, the thing that I'm focusing my attention is the biggest issue for you. And that becomes a distraction when we assume that God is up to you in the same way in your life that he's up to in my life. And I want to just say, like, I want to clear away that distraction that the God of the universe is doing terrifically different things in you than he's doing in me. Doesn't mean that it's like your truth, my truth. I'm not being like, I'm kind of like the truth. Yet at the same time, uh, I think about Matthew 5, like you've heard it said, but now I say, you've heard it said, but now I say, I think eternity is going to take so long because we're going to be unlearning a bunch of stuff we thought we were positive about. We'd be like, really? Like, you know about that whole thing? <laughs> and I was like, this is Gettysburg. I just want to be humble. Uh, who was it? It wasn't me that said there's two types of people, humble people and people that are about to be humble. <laughs> So I'm going for door number two. 
Um, and to say, I don't want to be distracted because uh, I'm not being Jesus's lawyer. I get it in first Peter, like to be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you. And it just grieves me when people stop reading the verse there and they miss the part that says, but do it with kindness and respect. Um, yes. So it's like, I, you can't cut that one off there. There's not even a comma. <laughs> <laughs> keep reading. Um, and so I want to be more the kindness and respect person, knowing that this immense God that we serve, uh, but everybody else might not like that. We could deal with people with kindness and respect, even like me when they're flat wrong. I just have yeah. so appreciated people that dealt with me when, with kindness and respect when I was flat wrong, not words of correction, but words of encouragement. Uh, Jesus, you know, talking to Peter, like, you're the rock. <laughs> he was a wuss. Like, I don't even know the guy. And, but I think Jesus saw who he was turning into. And I think if we can do that, that helps me um, uh, see more prospectively who are people becoming. I don't know uh, if it was in your day or if I'm just older than dirt, but we used to have uh, – movie slides and carousels. Uh, and then you'd, it, it felt like really cutting edge stuff when somebody had a remote control, like what in the world is that? Um, and you click the slide, it goes chunk, and you think this is really cutting edge stuff. Um, but if you think of this carousel that you get, you have these slides that you put in it and everybody does. And well, it's hard to replace the slides uh, that you have this slide about performance, or you have a slide in there about what faith is supposed to look like, or you have a slide about disappointment or whatever, and just knowing everybody carries around their carousel of slides, knowing that it's hard to replace them. But what we can do is add to them. We can put in a slide called grace and acceptance. And that doesn't mean you're going a week on doctrine. It means you're going big on Jesus. And so I want to drop that slide into the carousel. Just, just keep going forward to that. Yeah. Um, and that's what speakers, communicators, writers have an opportunity. Parents have an opportunity to do like not pull something from the deck, but add something to the deck. Wow. That's, I mean, you do this so well and um, we've known each other for a number of years. And I think what's so incredible for me, and I'd love to juxtapose this because you know, for so many years you were a trial lawyer and, and, you know, but I've ne I never knew Bob Goff as a trial lawyer. I knew, I knew this balloon making mayor of Tom Sawyer Island, this guy who, um, you know, whimsy is his middle name. This guy who just could, would pick up the phone calls. Um, and just, I, I I've watched you in moments in my own personal life, but I've watched you off stage in a lobby you're going to your car and you just stop and you'll talk to someone. I've seen you bend over and like get on your knee and talk to someone in a wheelchair. Um, <clears throat> you, you have this ability to be so present to a moment. And yet I'm always amazed at how do you actually get things done? You know, like, cause I think, I think you, some people would say, well, he could be easily distracted as a seven on the Enneagram and always looking for fun. How do you, how do you balance that? How do you find the things to stay focused on and the things to say yes to and the things to say, no, that's, that's, that slide's not in this carousel for right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've got a big whiteboard actually in this room I'm sitting in. Uh, it's kind of the one you'd see in a university. Uh, I've got actually, if you just like pan over, I got a Harley and I got my 33 things that I'm doing. Uh, and so these are my 33. This is what I'm doing. And uh, some of them have subparts, but I have crystal clarity on what it is that I'm supposed to be doing right now. And so if something new comes in, I just go to my 33 to say, do I want 34? Um, and, and then I have something to compare it to. Sometimes what we're doing is that we have all these things. We're like Pinocchio. Everybody has a string except you. Uh, and you just feel like think is pull approval is pulling on you in this, this group that uh, you're speaking to, you feel like you're more performing than sharing your heart. And so what if you just say, uh, first here are the activities that I've got, you know, do they need to stay on the board? Some people might have a small number. If you ask Sweet Maria, 
her whole board is this, me, the people we made, the people they married, and the people they made. That's it. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end. She didn't need 33 things. She's got four. Me, the people we made, the people they married, the people they made. Um, And so that's kind of neat to just say, hey, what is it that is your thing? Uh, I have a a different uh, energy level or focus or whatever that would be. uh, That's to say, like, I think I can draw uh, another concentric ring about that and say, we could build some schools because I know God loves kids. He doesn't seem to be very keen on lawyers, but he loves kids. And to say, okay, so so with that, where could we go? And I say, like, I don't know, where are the opportunities? And so you take an ambition and you find an opportunity, and that's where I want to be. That's that big map at the beginning of the mall that says, you are here. Yes. Find a, a worthwhile, lasting ambition, uh, and then find an opportunity to do it, go. Matthew 25, if it has to do with hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, or people in jail, or James widows and orphans, be like, go. You don't need a plan. That's your plan. Like, you want to find Jesus? Find them. And if following Jesus doesn't lead us to them, we ain't following Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I want to just say, like, I want to, uh, an arc beyond uh, the, the family. Like, we're in great shape there. But I feel like I have some more energy. And the, but sometimes what will happen in uh, kind of uh, this pursuit of the gospel, and it's so difficult, it's a person, not a set of beliefs, is that we'll uh, try to provide for, like, advancing the gospel places, but we'll ignore what's going on at your house. Um, and so to just kind of, it's attention. It's, you know, it's Romans 7. I keep doing what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. And that's just Tuesday for me, <laughs> by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But rather than, like, seeing that as a hall pass, I see that as a beautiful invitation for a little growth. And what people want is authenticity, because they don't want, like— Bob the happy guy, Bob the balloon guy to show up because then we become a caricature of who we actually are. So if you see yourself as the big pastor, the big church, and and then you have to play this role, I mean, if you're doing it for the applause, join the circus. Um, but if you're doing it because you want to point towards something more beautiful and authentic, then you need to disclose beautiful, authentic things in your life and painful things. Um, so I think... It's a difficult thing to do, uh, but for me, I'm wired towards availability. Um, I, I I just don't think green rooms were something that Jesus came up with. I think that we uh, created that. I get it. It's a very it's a sound business model. It's just not what Jesus did, and it doesn't mean it's bad. Um, it's just like I'd say, lock that thing up. <laughs> yeah, so good. If you don't like people, be a night security guard. Like- <laughs> that's so good. Um, so of those 33, you know, obviously the Oak Center, I would imagine, is is on there. And then there might be different activities like, you know, you're talking about uh, potentially going to help deliver a baby horse, you know, after this interview. Like, <laughs> How cool like, is that? Yeah. Do you, do you, in the 33, are they more like buckets with a whole bunch of line items underneath? Because I think for most pastors who are, who are tuning into this podcast, they probably could look at their life and go, man, I got 33 or 25 different activities that I, I got to do, whether it's overseeing this department, this writing a sermon, you know, or are those 33 like specific activities? Like I got to go deliver a cow, you know, like I got to go... Yeah write this message. I got to finish this, this manuscript deadline. What, what does that look like for those 33? Yeah. best I could best describe it as 33 things I'm trying to influence. Gotcha. Uh, there's other people that are trying to control things. Uh, and I think control uh, is easy to do, particularly if you either don't understand it or you're afraid of it, you try to control it. Uh, I get where that comes from. And uh I'm guilty of that from time to time. I was speaking, we did this bus tour in the height of COVID right through the South. It just seemed like an incredibly bad idea. And so <laughs> we were visiting with people and I was having a conversation with somebody on the side of the stage about something that was super important for them to want to share. And I could tell that the person hosting this thing wanted me to be elsewhere. 
but it was really, I just wanted to be fully present for that conversation. And this guy, well-intentioned, he grabbed me by the shoulders and he started moving, like physically moving me over there. I'm thinking, what hospital do you want to go to? <laughs> Still taking baby steps. But um, what, uh, on, on reflection, it, had he said, Bob, I think I know why you're here. And uh, you could do 10 times more of that if you were to move 40 feet to your left, uh, then uh, that would be influence. I would move 30 feet to my, but I resisted being controlled. And I think that everybody does. And so what I would say is true about the things that are on my list, I'm trying to influence those. I'm not trying to control them. I'm trying to exert a, a beautiful uh, leadership role by influencing them and finding the right people that could carry this through and showing up. If I could do anything, I'll carry the water just let me know. San Quentin, we, I teach a class there and have for a long time. Uh, those guys are being controlled and they're not happy about it, nor are the victims of their violent crimes happy right. about having bad things happen to them either. So it's this confluence of crazy, both control and then also authenticity. Like, I know why I'm doing that. Uh, but I was uh, Pepperdine. I teach a class there at the law school. I want to influence this next next crop of lawyers that are coming up. I want them focused more about their character than their career. So I would say find those things that are on your list to say what are the big things, not I the not the short strokes of those, and say how could I exert some influence in this that would be, actually be helpful. Sometimes the best way you can influence things, get out of the way. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, so good. Find like uh, for these amazing women that have important things to say, to just like, to say like, go, you don't need to ask for permission. You have permission yeah. uh, to say that. Don't get wrapped around the axle about, well, what about this? And what about that? Just say like, I don't know. I think that everybody has these, beautiful messages. They're Paul Revere. Remember uh, the story that Longfellow penned about the midnight ride of Paul Revere. He was a guy that had an important message. And the message, according to Longfellow, was that the British are coming, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's uh, actually, it was before the Revolutionary War, so everybody was British. So mm -hmm. it actually was, they were called the regulars, but it just didn't fit in the poem. So he just made it up, <laughs> as do many pastors. So- <laughs> But, uh, but here's the thing about Paul Revere. He didn't own a horse. He had to go to one of the deacons at church who had a fast horse. I want us to go to people who has fast ponies so we can deliver a good message that's worth hearing. And the last thing about Paul Revere, he didn't ride alone. Nobody knows about the two people that rode with him. Find a fast pony, borrow one if you need to, and find a couple people that are worth riding with. And then have a message that's worth uh, listening to, but don't shade it. Don't say the British are coming if they're called the regulars. <laughs> because I think the more regular you get, I don't mean more fiber in your diet. I just mean the more relatable you get to the things that are going on around, the guy in row four will actually get something from it. Yes. You start telling people how many boats are floating in the Sea Galilee, they'll be polite and listen. It won't impact anything. Uh, be an example. Don't just give information. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, I mean, I remember we were at an event together and I was standing beside you and you, you were kind of like going through a list. Like it was like on your phone, a list of these pictures. And you were kind of just in your mind, just saying uh, like, which, wh wh which picture and which slide did you want? And you just kind of leaned over and you said, the best messages are, come from your life and your life is about capturing stories that point people to true North. And I just remember like just this, this, and you were like, you, you, you showed me a picture of an Uber driver. You showed me a, you know, you just, you had like all of these stories and you're like, this showed me this, this showed me this, this showed me. And, and you just said the greatest sermon is happening right before your eyes. You just got to be able to see it, capture it. And then begin, then know how to talk about it and tell it. And I, I'm just curious, like, you're a master communicator. I've seen you just um, move a room in a truth 
I've seen you move a room to tears. I've seen you move a room to, to laughter, all the while pointing people to true north, to Christ. But you're just an incredible storyteller. Talk about your communication style. Like when you're thinking about on a weekend going to teach somewhere, what are the thoughts that go through your mind and the ways in which you craft a, craft a talk? Yeah, what I would do is uh, think about this. Something relatable, okay. something important, okay. new camera angle, don't resolve it. So those are the four things. Just say, I haven't read this in a book. Just say something relatable. Um, uh, there was a guy uh, that was in charge of mounting the electronics on Navy destroyers. Because when they hit a wave, they would like frag. And so he brought these like finely spooled springs to mount this electronics on. And they hit a wave and a spring fell off and it went kerchunk, kerchunk, kerchunk. Now he didn't know he just invented the slinky, but his <laughs> wife did. <laughs> so say something relatable and then say something important. Some of our best discoveries are made by mistake. Hmm. Um, then take a new camera angle on it, but have point people towards the scriptures where people like, you know, Mary thought Jesus was the gardener at the tomb. And like, so what I want you to do is this is just you and I just riffing on an idea. And then sometimes we think we need to resolve it. Don't, don't resolve it. If I tell a story about Richard Goff falling out of a boat on the Nile river in these like alligator infested waters and then we got stuck in this eddy and how we get stuck sometimes in our life don't let him get back in the boat they won't realize he never got back in the boat now clearly he did um but but what i want you to do is don't feel like you need to resolve it all the time you don't need to put this like unrealistic bow on everything so just trust god like yeah. that's a great way to live your life but that's not a great sermon to give what I want you to do is just leave it a little ambiguous because I want people to desire to jump into the scriptures. I want to go figure that out. I want to be Nehemiah. I've got important work to do and I'm not coming down. Finish like that. But don't say these are the four things that need to be your important work. That's control. I want you to influence them. Find your important work and don't you come down. See ya. <laughs> Well, that's and you and you're you're so masterful at this because I feel like every time I get done with a talk, like listening to a, a sermon, you delivering, I always feel like you're just starting the conversation, and I, I and then it, it trickles over to whoever I'm with dinner that night or lunch after. It trickles over to the next morning in my my you know journal time. But you, you are a master at starting these provocative conversations that really gives people enough to say, I got to go figure this out. I got to go figure out what that important work is to do for me. I got to, and it, it, it always brings me deeper in Christ, deeper in the spirit, but like not just being, like you said, controlled, tell me what to do. It's literally like, go discover with Jesus what's the next best right step. And there's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's masterful how you do that. I'm curious though, you're, you're trained as a trial lawyer and that's, I mean, there's a communication gift to be a great trial lawyer. What's, what is similar about communication between a preacher and a, and a lawyer? And what's the, when you're at Seaver, uh, you know, at Pepperdine Law School, my, I, my grandfather has a tree right outside of Seaver. Uh, he oh, basically, yeah. he ran the campus. Uh, and, yeah. and so we used to grow up there, grow, I grew up going there all the time. But uh, what's the, what's one kind of communication technique or piece that you're trying to influence this new crop of lawyers from the preaching game that you go, Hey, you're not going to learn this, but I, I, I need you to know this is, this is important when you're communicating. Yeah, people uh, want kind of a life hack. They have this faith, and then uh, there's something relatable. Mark 9, like, just say, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, just to get real to say, man, there's stuff I believe. I'm like Team Jesus, but there's stuff I haven't experienced yet. I've never gone to heaven. You know, I've never met anybody who has. I hear there's a movie out about it. I ain't watching it. But, like, but to just say, like, um, there's some stuff that – Instead of saying, yeah, I believe everything and 
all of that and all these great big grand statements. You just like the guy in row four just checked out. It's just another guy saying some, you became QVC. You're just selling Jesus. And what I want to do is instead find that relatable through the authenticity of saying, man, here's some stuff that's going on. And we've had this happen to us. I was, I, I bought this old uh, pickup truck uh, on Craigslist, a uh, hundred thousand miles because the Prius is not going to be carrying cattle anytime soon. And so, uh, so I got my carbon footprint is the size of, of Delaware now. Um, and so uh, I'm driving this car and when I get in it, it, like smells like soap. And I like, just doesn't feel manly. I don't, not peculiar about like smells, but I was like, it bugged me. So I rolled the windows down and like just blew it out. And I thought, well, that, you know, I'll just get rid of it. I got home, the smell's gone. I go in the next morning, I go out, I open the door and it smells like soap again. I'm like, ah, and, and I was supposed to like go marry some people up in uh, Los Angeles. And I thought I'm just going to burn it out. So I turned on that heater bowl. I just like, burn that thing up all the way up, down, all the way back. And, and I thought it'd been gone. I went inside the next morning. It come out, smells like soap again. I don't even remember driving to the upholstery store, but I threw my credit card in. I'm like, just replace it with leather. I spent more on the upholstery than I spent on the truck. And, but I was just like so distracted and annoyed. And when I got to pick up my truck, I opened the door and it smelled like dead cow and soap. And I'm driving home thinking about how life is so unfair. I reached up to get my sunglasses and I pulled down a 25 cent air freshener. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those little lame trees. And I'm like, now you would have thought to check there, but I didn't. What I want you to do, uh, those listening, I want you to now introduce a new concept, Occam's razor, uh, which is the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. Um, and it's so this is this idea in physics and all that that governs so many. What I want you to do is make that super relatable. Don't go ham on Occam's razor. Just say the simplest. What would be the simplest explanation for the person that's the most difficult in your life? It's probably that they're just as insecure as you are. So the more we bring it back and just make it really relatable, point people towards the truth of the scriptures. Don't just make it a rotary talk, but just like, just go to that, but answer this deep felt needs that said the simplest explanation is that God is at work in you in ways you don't yet understand. And people go like, dude, that just gives me so much license and so much. It's such a kind invitation. I could just smell the cookies in the oven. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying water down the gospel. I'm saying make it for thirsty people. Yes. Um, put a salt lick out in your uh, pew if you need to, but just, I want people to be thirsty for this stuff and they won't be thirsty. If you keep controlling the outcome, like if you try to control, I get it. I I'm very orthodox in my view of scripture and all that, but I come across as the guy that's in Mogadishu. And like, I, I think that, that, I, that God is going to sort this stuff out and I'm not the bouncer. I'm the greeter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Find something super relatable. Like, uh, that would be whether you're writing, like I would, um, I think in Love Does, some people connected with this idea. The first couple of sentences say, I, I'm, I greet everybody at Tom Sawyer Island. I'm there on Wednesdays, 10 to 1. Like, and so there's some, the last time I went to Tom Sawyer Island, Steve, there was 40 people waiting for me. Isn't that awesome? I didn't have an appointment. They just know I'm on Tom Sawyer Island. Make that your thing. If you're pastoring a church, Hang a walkie-talkie from the birch tree in front of the whatever a narthex is. Like, but, but go hang one of those things, and you carry around the other ones. Change the batteries every couple of days. I'm telling you, that will sweep through your church. God loves availability. Like, there's something about that. Be the person that's just, just uber available, even before there's uber. Like, just be that person that... They, they know they can, and people will click on it. They'll say, hello. And then what if immediately you say, hey, it's Steve here. They'll be like, oh my gosh, that's why I get all these phone calls. People just want to know if it's true. And that's why they're coming to church. That's why they're listening to your message. They want to know it's true. They've heard all the Chris Tomlin songs. They've heard all the messages. They just want to know if it's true in your life. 
So beautiful. I, I, you know, this, this podcast is called Crafting Character. And again, it's, it's fixated on how we get better at the craft of communication, but how, how does our character lead the way? And it's just like what you're trying to raise up with these law students and Pepperdine or your friends at San Quentin or just the people that, you know, come out to one of your workshops. You're, you're constantly inviting them into a better way. With all that's on your plate, how do you how do you keep that joy level? How do you keep that that kind of fixated on true north? You know, I carry my compass that you gave me years ago. Oh, you know so what I mean? Honest. Like it's just like for, for me, it's um it's just this reminder. And but like how how do you continuously um embody that the character's gotta be first and foremost over what you do, what you accomplish? your next book. How does your character lead the way? Is there certain practices you do on the regular? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mess up. I mean, if mess ups or pushups, I'd be totally ripped. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I keep track of how I'm feeling. Like I'm uh, showing you this mood ring I wear. Yeah. I got it off Etsy for four bucks. Like, so I wear this mood ring. And so sweet Marie and I, for instance, we don't talk about where I am. We talk about how I am. And so uh, there's a lot of people that are like talking about like the meeting they're doing and they start abbreviating it saying I have an 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock and all that. And I just found that to be efficient. But man, if you want to find somebody who's got no friends, find somebody who's super efficient. (laughs) So I'm trying to be just accomplish a lot while being wildly inefficient with my time. Uh, that doesn't mean like go out surfing and goofing around, but it doesn't rule that out. It, <laughs> yeah. means, it means knowing what are my, um, for me, 33 things I'm doing. We're opening up two schools for Palestinian kids in Israel. Like that's one of my 33 things right now. So I just go like, so I get it. I know what we need to do. And I know how we want to exert influence to do this. We reopened our girls school in Afghanistan. Uh, we called the bad guys and said, will you let our girls go back to school? And they said, yes. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> crazy. Within two weeks of all the crazy that happened, they're sitting back in their desk, reading and learning math and all that. It was a call, call the bad guy. Like find the things that would free you up and just say, is there something with kindness and respect I could do to influence that. And then keep, find a couple of people. You can't be authentic all the time with everybody, but you can be some of the time with somebody. Like, so find somebody that you can just say, uh, this is how I am, not where I am. Not that I'm going to the ball game today, uh, but to just say, like people wouldn't uh, immediately guess that I'm super insecure. Like it's super insecure. Um, I, if I pulled on that thread and figure out where did that come from, I'd say I would see a little picture of little Bobby Goff, um, who got in his head when some stuff happened that everyone will leave me. Eventually everyone is going to disappear. I will be all alone. I will be abandoned. So that's the story. I didn't have the, uh, tools to deal with it, nor does the guy in row four at church. Uh, but figure out what's that story you made up to explain your life or your circumstance, and then take a, a deeper stab at that and say, what are the rules that you made up to support the story that you made up to explain the life you couldn't understand? So the rule for me is I'm not going deep with anybody. Uh, why? Because the story is everybody's going to leave. And because they're going to leave, why go deep? They're just out of here anyway. And so what I want us to do in your preaching and your writing and your thing is say, what's the story you made up? What's the rule you made up as scaffolding around that story? And then what are the manifestations in your life? What I decided to deal with my insecurity that everyone will eventually leave me is be funny. So if I'm the funnier I am, the I just dealt with it. It was my, I didn't know what I thought trigger was the name of the Lone Ranger's horse until I went to counseling. Like I just go like, oh, wow. And the crazy thing about the trigger for a guy who thinks He's going to be left alone. People. <laughs> so it's like every day is a, a like a, a, a an episode of a fear factor. 
because <laughs> I'm surrounded by people I'm convinced will leave me, abandon me someday. And so what we need to do is the heavy lifting uh, of saying, I'm just going to bring this to Jesus. A God that says, I know everything before you pray it invites us to just not be anxious about anything, but to bring these requests to him. I think he wants it to make it known to us so we can make it known to him. So you want to go write some kicking sermons? You want to go move some people? Get real. Figure out what's the story. Figure out what the rules are. And then bring it to Jesus and say, with the power of the Holy Spirit, could you help me rewrite this story? That it was maybe it was true at one time and it ain't true now. Maybe it was never true. But can we say, like, what are the rules? And is this getting in the way of me? leading an authentic faith? Is this getting in the way of me having deep and meaningful relationships? Maybe I need to tether myself to a mood ring so I can get real with how I'm actually feeling right now. I'm feeling tremendously insecure. And so I'm dealing with my insecurity by trying to control your behavior. You want to blow your staff away in your church? Have that conversation with them. Uh, and then apologize, and then do something. There's an idiom that's called cut to the chase. Have you heard that before? I've heard the phrase, but tell me more yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, so I, I didn't know if it came from Shakespeare, yeah. like, you know, alas, poor Yorick, and that Chase was actually his uncle. Um, but it comes from Hollywood back when there were silent movies. Uh, and uh, the way that anybody could figure out what the plot is, there's a chase scene. And so the cut to the chase means let's get to the part where something happens. Go to Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that matters is your faith expressed in love. That's the chasing. And so what I want us to do, you want some good preaching? Go find an idiom. Go find something relatable. And they send something important about that. New camera angle. Point them to scripture. And then don't resolve it. Don't tell them what their chasing is. Just to say, so there it is, and drop the mic and walk away. That's like, amazing. That I mean, honestly, that how helpful this is going to be to thousands of pastors because it's it's it is again, you make the message and the story so accessible, but your life is so available, and and it and it, you make it so real and tangible because your life is authentic. And I just love even how you just talked about your own insecurity. And then the rules that you made up and how that was manifested. And, and all of us, the guy in row four, like you keep mentioning, we all do this in some capacity. This is so helpful, Bob. Uh, I, I'm amazed at just, again, your ability to take complex issues and bring them down and then just give those away to help people. I mean, it's just, it's just who you are. You've been someone who has showed up in my life. When I think about you, I think about a guy who shows up. And when you use that word available, that's who you are. And I'm just so grateful for you, man. Um, where, what's your hope with Undistracted and where can people find it? Um, what, what's like the dream, the desire when someone picks up this book? Because, you know, the book comes out March 1st, comes out in a week after this podcast drops. Uh, and I just, I, I want them to, to, when they get their hands on it and they go and they pre-order it, What's your, what's your desire for this person, this pastor who reads it? Oh, I want him to smell the cookies in the oven. I want him to like, feel like a good friend just tapped him on the shoulder and to say like, oh, you don't need to be that guy. Wow. Like you don't need to walk around distracted. I want uh, to tell stories. That's what Jesus did. It said they never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. So I want to uh, tee up a story so that people could intersect that story and say, these are the things that are distracting me from my family or my faith or my finances or my whatever. It's not telling people what they ought to do. It's reminding them about who they are and that our propensity to be distracted. We're all like that dog and up that's like squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> some of us more so than others. Uh, and to say, uh, so to just give some bright hope, point to the, to the horizon to say, there's something beautiful here. Uh, and uh, if, it, if it scratches where it itches for people, then they would walk away with a little bit more clarity about why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, they would engage their families and friends with a little bit more focus. They'd have a little bit more clarity on what their things are uh, and then not be distracted by every opportunity. Paul wasn't just because he was invited to, to do this thing. That didn't mean that he did it. 
He just said, like, I, I get a lot of yeses, so don't take no for an answer, but don't you dare take yes for an answer. <laughs> I'm not saying live a life of ambivalence. I'm saying live a life of engagement and wisdom and they have something to check it just because I'm like a, a scripture guy, like check it against the scripture. And and, uh, and then if you're going to make a, a power move for something in your life, then don't be distracted by a little bit of setback that happens along the way, it's just going to happen. Don't act surprised. Practice not being surprised in the mirror. Just say like, well, yeah, of course. Like I, I've tried a bunch of stuff that didn't work and I'm surprised when they do, frankly. Um, so what I want us to do is not be distracted or overstate the wins. I don't want us to get wrapped around the axle with the losses. What I want to do is be fully present because it's participation that God called you to. I keep bringing him my successes and he keeps you, he keeps saying, bring me your heart. I, I, I'm, I've already got success nailed. I, I don't get wrapped around with all the reruns, giving all these spins to everything bad that's happened or unfair that's happened or missteps that you took. Just get fully present with where you are, learn from those things and then get your eyes back on Jesus. You know, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Find your, if scripture isn't your thing, um, uh, then find something that is. Uh, if scripture is your thing, that's a pretty good bet. <laughs> like, you know, if, I'm not trying to control you. I'm just trying to say, influence. I found a lot of clarity as I've found my way to the scripture and actually applied it to my life. I want to take agreeing with Jesus off the table. And if you take agreeing with him off the table and you're either going to do it or not, because <laughs> what dazzles God is obedience. Uh, you know, the kind of obedience that tells Noah, go build a, a wooden ship and put two uh, everything in it and start with two termites. <laughs> well, it's so good. It's so good. Well, Bob, thanks so much. I, I'll end with this question because I feel like each of your books, the stories that they tell um, are really even transferable to sermon series, you know, from Love Does or yeah, I was at a church and we did a, a whole series on everybody always, like loving everyone always. And it was so, so moving. And, and even just the concepts behind Dream Big um, with Undistracted, uh, I just feel like, again, you, you lay things out that I feel like is so helpful for people and then for like small groups to take that kind of concept and hear those stories and kind of chop it up together of, you know, how, how can we actually, actually not just know about love, but know what love does or actually live a life that is about everybody always or having this purpose and vision to dream big. Do you see Undistracted in that same kind of way like you did the, with the first three books? I'm really hoping so. I think maybe the relatability. I, when I was in college, there was a, a guy with a big beard and wood chips all over it that made guitars. I was at Humboldt State and everybody made something or grew something up there. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was a luthier. I didn't even know what that, that, that was a thing. But I asked him, will you teach me how to make a guitar? And he said, yes. And, and so for the next six months, we built this guitar. We built the molds and we bent the wood around and heated it up and bent the molds and put the neck board on it. Uh, and then I don't know what happened. He got sick and then I got whatever he had and uh, the end of the semester happened and everybody had to go home. And I, I was going through my attic um, to get the last of the kids stuff out. Cause I'm like, you're grown up, take your junk and get out of here. And I found this old guitar and I was thinking like, you know, the guitar case, I'm like, I wonder which kid this is cause it's out. And I open it up and there's this guitar that I almost finished. I had done everything but the fretboard. Uh, and so I took it to this guy a couple of weeks ago. He looks like he's in the Doobie Brothers. And I took it to him to say, can you put this fretboard on? And he said like, wow, this is a pretty good guitar. Uh, I had lost track of that thing for 40 years. Uh, I had almost finished it. I had never played a song. That's what being distracted looks like. It's, if you lose your car keys, what do you do? You say, where was the last place I remember seeing them? So if you've lost your hope, where was the last place I felt hopeful? If you've lost your way, where's the last place I had clarity? I mean, if you felt like your faith is wobbling a little bit to say, 
where's the last place I really experienced a deep abiding, confident faith. And so what I want to do is there's no shame in it. I, I just find the Doobie Brothers guy, find the, find the guy, uh, the, the person, uh, a safe place where you can get the fretboard on that, start making some music. Um, and just so not wrapped around shame that we were distracted, but to just say, what's the next courageous step? Like, what can you do? How could you be a participant? Uh, and sometimes it means going back, figuring out the story, figuring out the rule, rewriting the story, rewriting the rule, bringing it to Jesus. That's so beautiful. Bob Goff, thank you. Thank you for who you are, your example, just the, the ways that you're available, the ways that you show up, and the ways that you continue to create content and remind us what True North looks like and remind us how to live in a life that's truly undistracted. I love oh. you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Great to be with you, buddy. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for Bob, what he offered us. And I just want to tell you, we have a new cohort. There's only a couple spots left. It's being coached and led and the conversations facilitated by Mike Hickerson. Mike and Jody Hickerson are church planners out in Mission Church in Ventura. I've known them for a number of years. I've tried to hire him multiple times. I think the world of this guy. And we've got an incredible faculty of teachers that you're going to get the chance to learn from. I'm telling you, you will want to go to theascentleader.org and sign up. There is such good things that are happening in the living rooms of these conversations, this cohort. So go to theascentleader.org, go check out PT, sign up, orderptnow.com slash CC30. And friends, may we this week May we be people who see the stories unfolding all around us. May we be people who look to influence and not control. People who sense where God is going and actually find the right words to invite others to come along with us. And may we have so much fun doing it. It's a privilege to get to share and speak life and good news into the world and may you feel the spirit empowering you in a mighty and fresh new way much love everyone grace and peace this episode was brought to you in part by united we pray United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.